Hello and welcome to Boston Private's Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today's conversation focuses on charitable giving, specifically the impact of the CARES Act on charitable contributions. My colleague Jason Kane will share his insights on this topic today. Jason's worked with numerous family offices and business owners for over 30 years, and he runs our Center for Wealth Planning at Boston Private. Jason, thanks for joining. Uh, Talk to us about the impact of the CARES Act uh, on philanthropic donations this year. Looks like there's some big changes around deductibility. There are really two um, focuses with regard to the CARES Act and how it changed charitable uh, deductibility. The first of which is rather modest. Uh, It provides that anybody who makes a cash gift to public charities may deduct $300 per individual, even if uh, that individual itemizes deductions. So in essence, uh, the Treasury has given uh, everybody the ability to have what's called an above the line deduction for up to $300 per individual uh, for contributions made to public charities. Uh, And there's a distinction in the CARES Act with regard to who, excuse me, must make those deductions uh, or those contributions to uh, public charities uh, of cash. So that excludes foundations, it excludes uh, donor advised funds, it excludes non-cash gifts. So that was the first one. And as I mentioned before, uh, rather modest uh, with regard to uh, the overall uh, charitable uh, giving strategies. The second issue um, is a little bit more meaningful for uh, families and family offices in that you now can deduct 100% of your AGI uh, for cash gifts made to, uh, made to public charities. So what this in essence means is that um, you can offset all of your income in 2020. This is a 2020 uh, rule change, uh, whereas prior to 2020, your cash gifts were capped at a deductibility of 60% of your AGI. So I anticipate that many uh, philanthropic families will take advantage of this provision and and actually load up or make additional contributions in 2020. Uh, So this is something that we're talking to a number of clients uh, about. Uh, It is a combination of trying to help uh, the the, uh, charitable community through 2020 and the coronavirus and an opportunity to mitigate income tax consequences for apparently for family offices, entrepreneurs, and wealthy individuals. So Jason, how does this affect uh, individuals who are taking the standard deduction versus itemizing? Are there any things to consider there? I think what will happen is that that if individuals are so inclined, uh, they might not take the standard deduction in 2020. They might um, decide to take to itemize their deductions, keeping in mind that most of the families that are charitably inclined are likely um, taking the uh, itemized deductions because of the amount of giving. I think in 2020, you're looking at roughly $24,000 for a married couple uh, uh, for the standard deduction. 
families that exceed that with, with charitable uh, giving uh, will likely uh, still be inclined to itemize those deductions. What about uh, some unique plan individual planning opportunities? Is that, uh, has that been opened up uh, with, with what's going on? Certainly. And one of the things that we've seen, uh, the combination of this 100% deductibility against AGI with families who have uh, larger positions in IRAs, there's a unique opportunity that presents itself in 2020. Historically, um, the IRA rules limit how much you can give from the IRA to charity. So as an example, a family with a million dollar IRA who has for um, planning purposes decided that they're going to give away that IRA, um, most likely they're going to wait until uh, death and name uh, a charitable entity as the beneficiary of that IRA. Why? Because there's limitations on how much you can take out and give to, uh, to charity while you're alive. Those limitations uh, are um, $100,000 per year. So in 2019, uh, a, an individual who had an IRA could transfer directly from the IRA to charity $100,000, and they would not pay income taxes uh, on that $100,000 transfer, nor would the uh, charitable uh, entity upon receipt. And that $100,000 would qualify uh, as if they'd taken a required minimum distribution if they had to take that required minimum distribution. So in essence, what, what happens because of tax efficiencies is that families are limited to $100,000 of lifetime giving out of an IRA. Fast forward to 2020, here's what a family could do. They could take that uh, $1 million IRA, they could withdraw the entire amount. In doing so, they would pick up $1 million of income uh, on uh, their 2020 income tax. Uh, they then could take the distribution from the IRA, and it would likely be done in cash, uh, and contribute that to a public charity. That contribution would offset or could offset 100% of their adjusted gross income, of which the distribution is included, uh, thereby netting out to zero, in essence, the contribution uh, and the pickup of income. So because of the change in the deductibility rules for 2020, we have this unique scenario where those families who otherwise would have uh, used their retirement or portions of their retirement uh, accounts, IRAs, to uh, pursue charitable giving, but are limited because of the $100,000 um, limit and the uh, inability to deduct um, cash contributions above 60% of your adjusted gross income, they now have this rather unique set of circumstances where they can accelerate uh, the contribution of IRA proceeds uh, into 2020 to pursue more aggressively their philanthropic goals and objectives. What about uh, corporations? I mean, is, were there any changes in terms of the rules around charitable giving for them uh, within the CARES Act? 
Yes, there were uh, a subtle um, <clears throat> change. Uh, the CARES Act increased the amount that corporations can uh, deduct to 25% of their taxable uh, income for cash contributions to public charities um, from 10%. So again, cash has to be cash contributions and they have to be public charities. Uh, so you're excluding uh, private foundations, you're excluding donor-advised funds. Those are the two uh, largest exclusions there. Uh, but you, uh, as a corporate taxpayer, you can now deduct 25% versus 10%. Again, limited to uh, 2020, uh, but certainly allows, um, allows corporate entities to more aggressively pursue philanthropic uh, goals and objectives here while we're trying to navigate through uh, COVID-19. So the CARES Act, it looks like it, it brought on some significant changes also and required minimum distributions uh, from the retirement accounts that you were talking about before. You know, can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, so let's start with the premise that if you've reached 72, now that uh, law change was made uh, with the SECURE Act, um, here within the last six months, there are some individuals that uh, at 70 and a half uh, were in distribution mode. But at 72, you are required to take distributions out of your um, IRA in most circumstances, not all, but most circumstances. So a typical 73 or four or five year old is in, uh, is in the requirement and distribution uh, range. And roughly 4% at 72 uh, must be taken out of your IRA. So we'll go back to our example of a $1 million IRA, 72-year-old um, uh, taxpayer has to pull out $40,000 uh, their first year as a requirement of distribution. That's taxed as ordinary income. And there are uh, a number of families, particularly wealthier families, who but for the requirement on distributions would prefer to keep those, um, those dollars inside the account so that they would not have to pull them out and pay income taxes on it and they could stay in the account and grow uh, income tax-free inside of the IRA. So for the second time in a dozen years, Congress uh, has um, delayed or um, allowed RMDs to not have to be taken for 2020. This was done uh, back in 2009, uh, where you did not, this, they suspended the requirement and distribution requirement. Uh, and that was again to allow folks who had market downturns during the recession to not be forced to pull dollars out when you otherwise might have deflated balances in your IRA. Same thought process here. We had uh, right off the bat in March a 25% dip in the S&P since come back a significant amount. Uh, but the thinking was let's not force retirees to take distributions when the value of the assets inside of their accounts uh, have been uh, diminished. So that is a blanket um, exclusion in 2020 for required minimum distributions. It's interesting that there was a study done uh, 
of the 2009 um, to act that um, that allowed families to uh, forego their RMDs. And roughly 60% of families still took their RMDs. And the thought and logic behind that is a vast majority of retirees need the income from their IRAs uh, to balance their uh, standard of living and their, their cash flow needs. Those families that don't need it uh, don't have to take it. So that is a very advantageous uh, scenario in 2020. It's a one-year relief from the RMDs uh, as it was in, in uh, 2009. Thanks, Jason. One of the comments that uh, you've made to me recently is talking about that this meaningful change that to the retirement distributions by the CARES Act isn't really a retirement provision at all. It's it's more like a charitable provision. What do you mean by that? So uh, again, it, was, it allows the combination of um, of the, the changes to the required minimum distributions and the increase in the um, in the deductibility of cash contributions, it allows those folks who want to more aggressively pursue getting their uh, charitable contribution, or I'm sorry, their, their retirement accounts to charity. It allows them a unique set of circumstances. Um, so for many of the clients that we work with, uh, we're seeing a, um, a desire to engage in planning to accelerate charitable contributions. That's great for um, the philanthropic world in that now in our need of, uh, in our time of need, uh, having an influx of cash will be very helpful. Um, and it's very advantageous for families uh, to meet those goals and objectives. They don't have to wait. Uh, it is efficient, tax efficient now uh, to go ahead uh, and make significant, if not uh, entire contributions of their uh, retirement accounts. So we have families with one, two, three, four million dollar accounts that just are never going to use them and would rather have a more um, efficient use of those funds uh, towards their uh, philanthropic goals and objectives and want to do it now while they're alive so they can see the impact uh, that those dollars will make versus waiting until they're no longer with us. Great, thanks. I, I think there are a couple other uh, provisions that, that came up in the CARES Act that are worth mentioning, especially around withdrawal penalties and sort of the spread of income uh, for distributions. Um, can you give us a, some highlights around that as well? Sure. Um, so the CARES Act also uh, eliminated early withdrawal penalties. Uh, so if you are under 59 and a half uh, and need uh, funds to sustain standards of living while you're navigating through uh, the COVID crisis, then you can take distributions out of your IRA. Uh, typically, if you take distributions before 59 and a half, you face regular income tax on the distribution and a 10% penalty. Uh, that 10% penalty um, is suspended so long as the distribution was um, was used for or was because of a, coron a coronavirus-related 
uh, instance. So the CARES Act went on to describe in a number of different instances this coronavirus-related distribution. So what does that mean? A coronavirus-related distribution is a distribution to an individual who was either diagnosed with COVID-19, whose spouse uh, or dependent was diagnosed with COVID-19, who experienced financial uh, consequences as a result of being quarantined, furloughed, laid off, or work reduction, uh, or was unable to work uh, because of childcare issues related to COVID-19. So that's a very broad um, set of qualifying standards that quite honestly, uh, a significant amount of people across the country are gonna be able to fall under. So once you've established that you um, qualify, then uh, distributions from a IRA prior to 59 and a half will not be subject to the 10% penalty. Now, I'll put a big asterisk there uh, that most financial planners, most advisors would suggest that the um, last resort should be your retirement uh, benefits in an IRA or 401k. That being said, uh, ordinary circumstances are are not prevailing at this point in time. So um, the uh, federal government, Congress, and the president decided that uh, in this time of, of need that we should loosen up some of these rules with regard to um, distributions from IRA. So that's the, the, the first uh, significant issue is this um, reduction or elimination of the 10% early withdrawal. The second one is um, rather unique. This uh, allows folks who take distributions in 2020 from their IRA uh, to spread the income out over three years. So typically when you take a distribution from your IRA, you pick up uh, the income in the year of the the distribution. New tax rule in the CARES Act provides that as a default, when you take a distribution from your IRA or 401k, that you are going to pick up one-third of that income in 2020, one-third in 2021, and one-third in 2022. Now, that being said, uh, you can opt out of the default rule uh, and pick it up all in 2020. And I think for for many folks, uh, this could complicate matters more than make it easy, the, the fact that it's spread out over three years. Why? you might have bunching of income in subsequent years that moves you up in the income tax brackets. You might have unforeseen circumstances that adjust uh, income in future years. My, my point in stating that is that it really, for, for a good number of families, it's really going to require a sit down and a thoughtful process to evaluate whether or not you want the default provision of three years or whether or not you want to opt out of that uh, provision and pick it up in in 2020. Keeping in mind that you don't have to take a a distribution in 2020 if you don't need it. So um, many families will be faced with with a scenario where they're going to have to do a little bit more planning uh, to figure out the the tax consequences uh, of these, uh, of the spread out 
uh, versus uh, taking it in a single year. So uh, we encourage folks to sit down and, and uh, think about the the income numbers uh, and how it will affect 2021 and 2022 if, in fact, they do take a distribution from uh, retirement plan benefits in, in 2020. There is one other um, significant change. There's uh, several minor changes, but one other significant change that is um, rather unique. Coronavirus-related distributions in 2020 may be, uh, in essence, returned to your IRA uh, if if you so choose. So what does that mean? Um, Very similar to what was defined as the coronavirus-related distribution for avoiding the 10% early withdrawal, if you take a distribution that was coronavirus-related in 2020, you can pick it up in three years uh, of income. You have to make a decision about whether or not that makes uh, uh, fiscal sense. You then may return the assets uh, to your IRA uh, and, in essence, eliminate that income tax component of, of the um, of the withdrawal. An example. Taxpayer takes $75,000 in 2020 uh, as a coronavirus-related distribution. Instead of picking up that income all in 2020, it's spread out in three years. $25,000 in 2020, $25,000 in 2021, $25,000 in 2022. At some point in time within three years, they decide they want to put those dollars back. Uh, And this CARES legislation allows them to do so uh, and to recoup the income tax that they paid. So if in 2023, the taxpayer says, you know what, I want to put $75,000 back in and I want to treat that $75,000 that I took in 2020 uh, as not having been made, they can do so. In essence, pay back their IRA. The difficulty is that they will likely have to amend tax returns and request refunds to get the tax that they paid uh, in 2020 on the distribution and in 2021 on the distribution and potentially in 2022 on the distribution. So you prepay the tax, but if you decide to pay back your IRA, you can request refunds for the tax pay or have them apply to subsequent years. Uh, So timing becomes a significant issue uh, with the payback. um, And and to the extent it can be done prior to your 2020 return being filed, it makes life a lot easier, Uh, but you have a three-year window in which to make the decision uh, to return those funds and request uh, refunds on those tax years that you picked up the income. Great. Well, listen, uh, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate the updates today. Very important um, uh, news and, and, and things that are changing rapidly. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with Jason or if you have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. That's familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. I'd also recommend that you check out our website. 
numerous resources, sign up for a newsletter, get this podcast and much, much more in your inbox and learn about uh, how we help family offices. That website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office, bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Thank you again uh, to Jason and thank you all for joining us. That's it for today. Check back uh, for another podcast next week and uh, updates on our site and social in the coming days. Thanks, everyone. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable, but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions, and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.